Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. And just trust. Believe. <laughs> I've believed in ghosts my whole life, and if my house wasn't haunted, then I think I might be. I have a few stories, and I'm going to try to go through them in order, but the first two happened within a few months of each other. I have more than just these three stories, but these are the ones that I found most disturbing. The first story happened about two months into my 8th grade year, when I was 13, my room at the time was set up so that my bed was facing out the window towards my neighbor's house. I lived on five acres of land, so there was quite a bit of space between the property line and my room. I always played music when I went to sleep, because our old furnace was very loud, but it would be on a sleep timer, so it'd turn off after about an hour or so. Now, at 13, since I was going through an I-fear-nothing phase and lived in the middle of nowhere, I always left my window curtains open. This night, I woke up with my head in my hands, staring directly out the window. It was unusually bright, as I believe the moon was full, and we had a sheet of fresh snow on the ground. My radio was off by this point, and it was eerily silent in my room, which was always cold, especially in the winter. As I was looking out the window towards the two five-foot pine trees that split our property from our neighbors, I saw something step out from behind one of them. I honestly don't know how to describe what I saw. Anytime I've described it to others, they haven't been able to picture how horrifying this thing actually was as it seems so cartoonishly odd. It was completely black and had a beak that took up most of its face. It had long, skinny, bird-like limbs with chicken feet and five-fingered, claw-like hands. The only way I can describe the torso is that it seemed as though it was covered in something that looked like hair or hay and had something sitting on its head like a strange wig of sorts, but I could tell that it was growing out of it. It had no eyes, but I knew as soon as it stepped out that it saw me. It started to creep towards me. It took very long, exaggerated steps, as if it were tiptoeing, and with every step, it grew taller and taller. It crossed several feet of land between the trees and my room. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't look away. At some point during the minute or so of me observing this thing walking towards my second story window, I remembered this strange children's movie where music warded off evil. I thank the gods I did because without even realizing it, I had already moved my hand over to the clock radio to turn on the music. 
I hit the button just in time for my head and the creature's face to be at the same height with only my window and a few inches of air between us. The music started playing some stupid pop song, but all I could hear was the horrible sound that the creature made as it faded out of existence. It screamed and it sounded like a bird, but almost as if it were something else imitating a bird. I caught my breath and I started to cry as I closed the curtains and huddled under my blankets. I have never slept with the curtains open again and this happened eight years ago. This second story comes from maybe a month later, if even that. Thirteen-year-old me was obsessed with ghost adventures. I thought it was hilarious, and science, history, and the paranormal were, and still are, fascinating to me. I was watching reruns, and in one of the episodes in the fifth season, they were interviewing a couple of people about their experiences in this place. They showed a reenactment of what happened and a clip of what the creature apparently looked like. Here's the thing, I'd watched these kinds of shows all the time and frequently read scary stories, but this thing scared me and still scares me more than anything else I've seen. I've never been to the state this episode took place in, let alone the city, but this thing found me. It was terrifying. It was a seven-foot-tall creature with a silhouetted crown which my friends described as fingers on its head. Its legs were bent backwards and had arms that couldn't move outward from its body. You may be thinking, well, Alex, how could this thing get you with no arms? But trust me, it could. It made this horrible sound as it walked, bones creaking, and even just standing there, it had this sound of a combination of humans, animals, and insects screaming. It had bright white eyes that reminded me of a train's headlight. It's been years since then, and I know this thing could still find me if it wanted to. I can feel it watching me even now. Now that I've told you about the creature, here's the story. After I watched this episode, I started having horrible nightmares and couldn't sleep in my room anymore. I slept at the foot of my parents' bed a few nights, but then my dad got pissed and told me that I needed to get over it and to stop getting out of my bed in the middle of the night. They were just dreams, and I needed to stop being so scared, he said. Now, here's the thing about my dad. He doesn't believe in the paranormal at all, and he was never a very kind man. So I had to start staying in my bed and I had panic attacks every night after waking up from these nightmares. At one point, after Christmas, it happened. I dreamt I was in my bed, looking through my bedroom door and out into the living room. The sun was shining, the windows were open, and the wind was blowing through the curtains. It would have been beautiful if not for the intense horror I felt as I saw the creature walk out from the kitchen into the living room and then down the hallway to my room. It happened so slowly, and in my dream, I couldn't move. Suddenly, as it neared my bedroom door, I woke up. As I woke, my lava lamp shut off, leaving my room in complete darkness. I felt something grab my ankle, and then I heard footsteps walk out of the room. 
My eyes were adjusted to the dark, but there was nothing there. Nobody was in my room. Another thing, I slept with a pile of stuffed animals at the end of my bed. In order for anything to grab my ankle, it would have had to pass through all of them, the two quilts, comforter, and sheets on my bed, but nothing moved. I truly believed that that thing touched me, and I believe it was a demon. I've never slept with my door open since, and I moved my bed from that spot afterwards. I still dream about that thing sometimes. I've moved twice since then, and it's followed me to every place I've lived. I can ward it off, but it always manages to break through at some point. I just wish I could banish it back to wherever the hell it came from. My third story takes place in my junior year of high school when I was 16. I say my junior year, but it was actually the month before. One of my best friends and I were on my little swing set behind my house, looking into the forest between my house and one of the other neighbor's houses. Naturally, we were talking about ghosts and weird dreams we'd had. I'd been having nightmares, and they'd been experiencing serious deja vu. At some point while we were talking, they laid on the ground in the gravel surrounding the playset. I was on the swing still, and we continued talking. It was nearing 11 p.m. at this point, and we both had this horrible feeling of dread wash over us. Without saying anything, we both looked at each other and had fear in our eyes. I then said two words, inside, now. Then we stood up and ran 25 feet to the back door. We got inside, locked the door, and ran to my room. I got the feeling that I needed to set up some sort of barrier around my house, so I tried my best to do so. Then I blessed my room. While we were still scared, we were certainly less scared than we had been before, so we tried our best to go to sleep. The next afternoon, I woke up and my friend was already awake on their phone. We talked for a few minutes and then I got some clothes and went down to the bathroom to take a shower. I took off my long sleeve shirt and I saw long, angry scratches up and down my right arm and my torso. Now, I've been scratched before and once something even burned my fingertips, but nothing like this. There were probably around 15 or 20 scratches, some shallow, some were deep with blood that had crusted over them, ranging from a half inch to nearly a foot long all over my body. Now I know what you're thinking, I probably just scratched myself up in my sleep from a nightmare, right? Wrong. I've had issues with biting my nails due to anxiety since I was a child, and in the past seven years, I've been lucky if they even reach my fingertips, considering I usually bite them down to the point where they bleed and I have to wear band-aids. This was one of those times where my nails were extremely short, so there was no way it was me, and it definitely wasn't my friend. I don't have any pets, and my dad's allergic to everything with hair. I know it was whatever we felt the night before, and I know it would have been much worse had we stayed outside and not put up barriers. I'm just glad it was me. I don't know what I would have done if it got my friend. I've been scratched many times since, but never like that. I hope I never do again.
I did not believe in ghosts. I brought up this belief with my co-workers at a local university library and received nothing but confused stares. My boss, John, asked me, had I ever seen her? I asked him what he was on and he told me that there is a ghost that frequents the library and they've affectionately named her Martha. I was instantly curious but knew that since I had been working there for over a year and never had any spooky happenings, it was more than likely baloney. However, I wanted to know my co-workers' experiences. My boss went first. One night, after closing up the library, he was walking to his car and he heard a voice. The way his car was parked, he was directly next to a sloping hill with many trees. Now it's a different parking lot. But at the time, it was essentially just a very short, wide wooded area. Right when he's about to get into his car, John hears a girl say, Help. We're a university library, so he said that his first thought was that a student was in trouble. He searched up and down the area, called out for whoever spoke, and found nothing. He figured it was a prank or maybe this sound had carried from a nearby dorm. So he went back to his car, only to hear a girl cry out again, help, right as he grabbed his door. Now to his credit, John was not playing, ghosts or no. He called the campus police and they arrived shortly after. He explained the situation, so he and the officer fanned out and searched the wooded area again, he said they looked for 20 minutes, neither finding nor hearing anything. The police officer was thinking the same thing John was, that it was a noise from a nearby dorm. Maybe it carried over and had given him a fright. John agreed, but before either of them could get back into their cars, it happened again. Help. According to John, the officer froze in his boots, stared at my boss with the whitest eyes he had ever seen and said, well, have a good night, then turned on his heel and left. My boss was quick to retreat. My other co-worker, Emily, told me a less funny experience that she had. The library is four floors, and when we close, one worker goes to each floor to ensure that all the students are gone and the lights are all off. Emily was on the top floor, which consisted of a row of offices, then a large room of tables, computers, chairs, and general study areas. The walls on this floor are made completely of glass. Emily told me that when she was closing one night, she might have come face to face with Martha. She closed the offices on the top floor, locked their doors, and turned off the lights in that one area. Immediately as the lights flickered off, she felt as though someone were standing in the darkness, just watching her. Unable to constantly look behind her, Emily decided to watch the glass windows in order to see if anyone was following. She was alone. She walked towards the other end of the top floor and then towards the restrooms and stairs. And that's when she heard it, singing, gentle and soft, like someone was humming, but close enough that she could still hear. Emily stopped and looked into the windows one last time. 
She said that for one single moment, she could see someone's shadow reflected in the window, standing right behind her. After this, she refused to close that last floor alone. All of these stories together, I still doubted what they said. I closed the top floor many nights uneventfully and found that I heard nothing but distant cars when I went outside. Just the other day, however, I experienced something I can't quite explain. I was coming down the stairs from closing the top floor and saw that two of my other co-workers, Hannah and Sarah, were standing at the bottom of the stairs looking down an adjacent hallway. I thought I could hear them talking loudly, but it stopped when I reached them. I asked them what they were looking at. They explained that moments before I came down the stairs, they heard multiple voices coming from the adjacent hallway. It led to some fire escape stairs, but the lights were all off, and the building was closed. There shouldn't have been any students. I laughed at their fear, but even then I felt a bit uneasy. There was a statue at the end of the hallway, and even in the dark, I could see its form. Like someone was standing there and mocking me, beckoning me to come forward and investigate. To put the other girls at ease, I obliged. I told them that I had not seen anyone on my way down, so some of the students must have taken those stairs to make their way back down to the exit. So I then walk down the hallway. I was ready to tell some college students that they could go home already. Now, I've never felt such an oppressive darkness before. It felt heavy, and the closer I got to the statue, the heavier it became. When I reached the end, I of course saw nothing. Just me, the statue, and the glass windows of the librarian's office. When I turned to leave, I faced the glass window, and I swear to this day that I saw a cluster behind me. Like two people were standing there, bunched together right behind me. I remember that I swallowed my fear and said, Go away, Martha, and went back to my co-workers. I don't know what Martha is, or if I even believe in ghosts now. I haven't seen or heard anything since, and I wonder if I simply played into my own fears, but still, I feel that same heavy atmosphere when the lights go down, and I see that statue standing in the dark. To quote another one of my favorite podcasts, Martha, let's not meet. What I'm about to share with you is hard to believe or explain, so I won't blame you guys if you end up not reading my story on the podcast. All I can give you is my word. I've told my doctor about this experience and even reached out to a few organizations that specialize in the phenomena of UFOs. My doctor didn't have a clue what my deal was and the organizations said they'd get back to me, but they never did. So, I figure if I can't get answers, I can at least share my story. Ten years ago, almost to the date of writing this, I went through a messy breakup with my long-term partner. 
As a sort of catharsis, I decided to pack my bags and go camping by myself for a few days. I headed to Bridgeport, California, which is where my dad used to take me fishing as a kid. Fun fact that almost certainly is irrelevant to what happened to me, but I camped near a ghost town called Bodie, which has its own fair share of paranormal stories attributed to it. My first couple days of camping went well. I journaled, hiked around, went to a hot spring, even took some pictures in Bodie. Just enjoyed some quiet time to myself. To get right to it, on my last night there, at around 11 o'clock, I was sitting by a fire, looking up at the stars, when I noticed something exceptionally bright. It was flickering in different colors, and they were more vibrant than any airplane or helicopter I've ever seen, and it certainly wasn't Venus since it was moving. My depth perception must have been off at first because I realized this object was much closer to me than I had initially thought. Before I knew it, it matched the relative size of the moon, and I could make out its shape. It was unmistakably triangular. It's impossible to guess how close it actually was, but it was close. It continued to flicker a bit until the three corners of the object all lit up green and stayed that way. The entirety of the object was also surrounded by a light blue hue. It's hard to say what immediately happened next because all I can remember is waking up at about an hour before sunrise, laying on the ground beside the chair I was sitting on. I was shivering cold and had a massive headache. My ears were buzzing, almost like a lower-toned tinnitus, and there was a weird metallic taste in my mouth. I paced around for a bit, freaking out. I started drinking from my jug of water, then my nose started to bleed. I'm not sure what all that was about. I don't know what happened to me at all. I've never experienced blacking out before or since. Nosebleeds aren't even common for me, and that headache was like no other I've had before. I almost wish I could recall being sucked into a beam of light coming down from the sky, but no. I simply stared at the strange object for a few minutes, then woke up on the ground hours later, miserable and confused. Even though I don't have memories of what happened in between all of this, I have since had recurring nightmares. Although the nightmares are quite vivid, I can't say I've seen any alien faces or anything like that, but I'm always on an operating table, blinded by a bright light as I'm getting poked and prodded by faceless entities of some sort. Never in any pain, just extreme emotional discomfort as I'm being violated. For several years, I'd experienced post-traumatic stress just from being outside alone in the dark. I find paranormal stuff interesting, but I never knew much of anything about it. My brother immediately jumped to the conclusion that I was abducted by aliens. He helped me research as much as we could, and as crazy as it sounds, all signs point to at least the possibility that I may have been abducted. I don't brag about this experience and I find it terrifying rather than some badge of honor. I'm still haunted by it, but 
My life seems mostly squared away now. My brother has tried insisting he travel with me in the future in order to ensure that I'm truly prepared for what may happen again. Needless to say, I won't be going camping ever again, with or without my brother. I should note that I wasn't taking any prescription medication when this all happened, have never done illegal drugs, and I did not drink during my time in Bridgeport. I'm just a normal, functioning human with hardly any issues, although my hearing seems to be worse. I'll also add that when I made it back to my home in Pacifica, I made an appointment with my doctor. She ran some tests on me and didn't find anything of note. She guessed I may have had an upper respiratory infection, but that wasn't the case. I didn't mention the mysterious object in the sky. We live in a two-story house. My husband and I stay on the first floor. My in-laws' bedrooms are on the ground floor. My husband and father-in-law both are corporate lawyers by profession. He looks after all of the work now as my father-in-law is retired, but people often visit him for various legal suggestions. Thus, we were habituated to seeing unknown people in our house. Also for the same reason, our house had a 24-7 gatekeeper for security purposes. It was back then when my son was only five months old. After finishing my lunch, and I put my baby to sleep, I went to the balcony to relax. Our house is situated on a wide alley that connects to the main road. All I could see from our balcony was a wide, empty alley and our sleepy gatekeeper sitting outside the main gate. I sat on a recliner and got busy on my phone. I had no idea how long I was on my own, when suddenly my eyes went towards the alley, and I saw a woman standing under a roadside tree. Though her face was not clearly visible, I could tell she was staring at me. I ignored her, thinking that she was some random woman passing by our house. I got back on the phone again. After a couple of minutes, I looked up again, and she was still standing there, in that same manner. Even though the woman realized that I could see her clearly, she didn't move an inch and didn't look away. There's nothing much that I could do as she was outside our property, so I went inside and closed our balcony door. The next morning, I completely forgot about this incident. I fell asleep in the afternoon. A sudden call from my mother-in-law woke me up. I went downstairs. She surprisingly said that she saw a woman a few months back. I walked quickly to the main door and opened it. This time, the woman was standing inside the house lawn. She was looking straight up to my room. Her eyes were surrounded by these dark spots as if she hadn't slept. Her clothes were old, almost rusty looking. She looked like a homeless person, but her eyes, they were still so sharp. Her lifeless stare freaked me out. I shouted out loud, How did you get inside? She didn't say, or move, or even blink. I got furious at the gatekeeper. I locked the door and went to get my phone to call them. 
I shouted over the call at the gatekeeper and asked him to come immediately. He came running and I asked, how could you let an unknown woman into our house without asking for permission? The gatekeeper gave me a perplexed look. He said that he didn't see any woman near our home the entire day. Also, the gate was locked the whole time. The incident appeared very creepy and mysterious to me. That night, when my husband came home, I told him about the woman who was stalking us. He expressed a bit of disbelief at first, but then blamed it all on the gatekeeper's irresponsible nature. But somewhere in my heart, I didn't feel right. Two days after this incident, my son caught a terrible fever. We all became anxious and couldn't figure out what was wrong with our child. Several doctors came and went, but no one could cure him or figure out what was wrong. I was worried as hell all day and all night. I kind of forgot about the woman amidst all of this. Until one day I saw her again, and it was for the last time. At least, I hope it was. I was still busy in the kitchen downstairs, and suddenly I heard my son whimpering. I went upstairs to check on him. As I entered the room, my heart froze to death. A cold wind rushed down my spine. I felt as if I were going to collapse at that very moment. She's standing near my son's crib with her lifeless, horrifying stare. She was stooping down to my son's face. A heavy breath came out of my mouth and she looked right at me. I could feel worms crawling under my skin as if I had been thrown into a dirty, dingy hole from which I could never come out of. She had that expressionless face, and I, I couldn't move my legs. She opened her wide mouth. It was black, and the light in the room went off. I screamed at the top of my lungs, but I couldn't stand much longer. I heard my husband's car arriving and started shouting for help. I told everything to my husband and my father-in-law. This time they couldn't shake it off, seeing my condition. My son still had a high fever and his health was deteriorating rapidly. We all started sleeping in two adjacent rooms downstairs. My husband went to the local priest and told him everything. He came and blessed our house. After that, none of us saw that woman again and my son started to recover surprisingly. A few years later, when I was cleaning my father-in-law's study, I came across many old newspapers. Ten years back, there was a homeless woman that committed suicide on the roadside near that tree by our house. Some people said that her husband kicked her out for mental health issues and then left the town, taking her newborn baby. The woman kept wandering the streets at night. Her eyes kept looking for the baby. Out of pain and despair one day, she hung herself. Our church priest does say that spirits who die with unfulfilled aspirations have a tendency to come back. And I still get goosebumps thinking. She wasn't after our house or me, she was after my baby. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Odd Trails. This week you have heard Ghosties by Alex Martha the Library Ghost by Laura Abduction in Bridgeport by Angie And finally, She Never Blinked by Candace. All of the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. 
And if you'd like to get access to the ad-free version of this week's episode, as well as all of the past episodes and bonus content, head over to patreon.com forward slash odd trails or follow the link in the show notes and as always if you're looking for a true horror podcast make sure you check out the new episode of my other show let's not meet a true horror podcast at cryptic county podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts all right so we have another short story for you here in this outro i'm just going to go ahead and get started the story is called protective ghost submitted by Alyssa. i live in new jersey Years ago, New Jersey was hit badly by Hurricane Sandy. I was very excited because I love storms. My dad and I would sit outside on our covered porch watching these storms. On the other hand, my younger sister was terrified. So to appease my sister, my family and I prepared by gathering our supplies and staying together in the living room. The beginning storm was pretty bad, but my dad and I stayed outside on the porch until the wind picked up. When we came inside, we had lost power until the eye of the hurricane. If you don't know, the eye of a hurricane is beautiful. My dad decided to go sit outside on our back deck rather than the covered porch to enjoy the weather and the beautiful sky. In an attempt to calm my sister down, she and I started playing video games while my mom was reading a book on the couch. As we are playing, I start to hear a very faint song playing somewhere. Assuming it was the game, I paused to go check it out. When I paused, both my sister and my mom agreed to hearing this music. After a while of hearing it, my mom recognized the song and went to go check out the cabinet. Our cabinet was like a glass case that usually held trinkets or other fancy china and whatnot, so it's a pretty safe bet that no one has gone into this cabinet for years. My mom bent down at the cabinet and pointed out that it was a music box. The music box played a song called My Michelle, which is a song my grandmother, who passed away, used to sing to my mother. This music box had been going off for minutes, like it had been wound up a couple times. As I come to look at it, there is a white feather sitting right on top of it. In my family, we believe that white feathers are also a sign of my deceased grandmother. I got full body chills and knew this was a sign of something more important. I started crying and begging my dad to come back inside the house. After some annoyed grumbles and rolling of eyes at his dramatic laughter, he came back inside. As soon as we all sat down again, the music box stopped and we heard a big crash. The seat that my dad had been sitting on outside had been destroyed by a huge branch that broke near seconds after my dad left. And that's being my first time hearing that, immediately I'm just thinking, this is the grandmother protecting the dad, right? That, that was my thought too. As I'm reading, I'm just like, whoa, this, yeah, like after the, the whole branch thing and how they associated the music box and the feather with the grandma, yeah, that was a near miss. That was like, that could have been a... Um, shit what's that movie called the final destination yeah yeah absolutely that was a, that was yeah. a final destination near <laughs> miss there and you got to thank grandma for that yeah the protective ghost i love that story that's it, it was like a little puzzle they put all these pieces together and it's funny one little thing that uh was weird for me listening early on it just harkened back to something that happened with my wife and i recently that we couldn't figure out where this music was coming from in the house it was somewhere upstairs. We narrowed it down to our bedroom, but our bedroom's really big and it has multiple closets in it. 
Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why. I don't understand why they have so many closets in a stupid bedroom. But oh, you do have a lot of closets, don't you? It's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. Uh, so I'm. We're searching around through the bedroom and we find that it's coming from right underneath the bed. So that's why we were hearing it all the time. It would hop, pop in like while we were sleeping. And we found out that it was a laptop that was closed, but still on. It didn't go to sleep. Oh. And it was plugged in and it was under the bed under a bunch of stuff. So it was such a faint noise. It was this faint music. And we pulled it out and opened the lid. It was Roller Coaster Tycoon 3. And it was the background music that plays when you zoom out from the map. Oh. And that had just well, I gotta, been playing. I, I got to ask this. Was the laptop plugged in or operating off of battery? It was plugged in. So it wasn't like okay. a, nope. a ghost I, I got battery. This. I got this figured out. <laughs> okay. I, I've solved this. I've solved this. Okay. You're being uh, visited by a PG&E ghost trying to rack up your bill. <laughs> Just turning on all of our equipment. Everything. Yeah, all of our gear. Uh, yeah, so that, that was a cool story, man. I love that. I love when people send in these short stories and we can just chat about them in the outro. Um, With a happy ending, too, aside from that, uh, hopefully that chair he was sitting on wasn't a family heirloom or something. But yeah, yeah I think that was a good one. I like that. that. That was a happy haunt, I think. That classifies as a happy haunt. Yeah, I always like a good happy haunt. But uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We really do hope that you enjoyed that little outro story. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll see you all next time for a brand new episode of Odd Trails. Peace out. Stay safe.